program everybody you just stepped inside of psychotic bump school the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul my name is dj rome and i want to welcome you to another exciting edition of psychotic bump school so ladies and gentlemen tonight oh we have an amazingly full show we got folks coming in from all across the country so check out this lineup we're going to have our good sister dr allison mcdade back uh, Dr. McDade is a psychiatrist out of Houston, Texas, and we're going to be breaking down anxiety, depression, and public life as it directly pertains to tennis star Naomi Osaka. Yes, she's been having a tough go of it, and she recently withdrew herself from the French Open, and a lot of people have been speculating about what the implications may uh, await the world of tennis and athletes in general, anybody in public life having to protect their mental health in such a way. Uh, how do people feel about that? They're on both sides of the issue. So we brought back Dr. McDay to have a discussion about public life, anxiety, and depression. So that's Dr. McDay. We're also going to have our good brother, Dr. Dontreneal Claiborne. Dr. Claiborne is an educator and professor at the collegiate level in Southern California. He's going to be talking about his Afrospora Academy and it's an innovative way to, to learn about black history in the face of diminishing curri curriculums at the collegiate level. And so Dr. Claiborne has put together his academy to help the community to learn more about black and African history. So that's Dr. Don Trinil Claiborne. And I'm proud to welcome for the first time, uh, this good brother is an MC, a lyricist, a producer, beat maker, underground hip-hop legend John Robinson, also known as Little Psy of Science of Life. Uh, this cat is a, a jazzy hip-hop head, beat head, uh, and just a real cat. So you know I love having real cats on this show. So John Robinson is going to be joining us this evening as well. So that's going to be our lineup. So uh, you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We're going to kick off our show after this. Hey, this is Dr. Allison McDade from Houston, Texas, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. This is the truth, she's coming through, I knew she was somewhere in me, oh Lord, she was somewhere in me, a distant dream, but now it seems she's always been somewhere in me. Seek it out. 
We are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, making headlines during the past week is the issue of anxiety and depression as it shows up in the world of public figures. Uh, the world of tennis has recently experienced this with tennis superstar Naomi Osaka, who is of Japanese and Haitian descent, though she represents the country of Japan. She recently withdrew from the French Open due to ailments that she's suffering as a result of her mental health, having to deal with post-game press conferences that have elicited or induced a lot of feelings of uh, anxiety. She's uh, you know, just kind of naturally shy by nature. And uh, subsequent to that time, there have been some additional withdrawals, and I'm going to talk about it in a second. But I just want to talk about anxiety and depression in public life. And I have back a guest who was here a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, and she did an amazing job and I couldn't wait to have her back here. So it's my honor to welcome her back. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, Dr. Allison McDade. Dr. McDade, are you there? I am, and thank you for inviting me back. It's a pleasure. Oh, we had a good time with you last time. Dr. McDade, ladies and gentlemen, is in the wonderful state of Texas, and she is a psychiatrist practicing right now in the beautiful city of, why would I say Houston? It's not Houston, it's is Houston. it? It's Houston. Yeah, it is Houston, it's Houston. Right? <laughs> Okay. H-Town all day long. Come on now. Okay. Well, you've been hearing these stories, uh, Dr. McDade, and like I said, uh, subsequent to Naomi's withdrawal, um, another major player on the circuit injured her ankle and I'm going to get her name wrong, but uh, Kvatova, oh my God, Petra Kvatova, I think that's how she pronounced her name. She injured her ankle during a game, and an MRI indicated that if she continued to play, she might further injure it. So she pulled out. 
Okay, mm -hmm. another act of self-preservation. And check this out, Dr. McDade, Roger Federer. Roger Federer, one of the, if not the best or greatest men's tennis player of all time, Roger Federer just dropped out also. And really? yeah, he actually won his match, but he suffered two injuries during his match. And he won his match, showed up at the post-game uh, press conference and announced he was gonna, he was gonna be withdrawing from the tournament. Wow. So it's interesting to see all this attention that's uh, landing upon the French Open and the public's responses to these various withdrawals. So what right. are your thoughts on uh, anxiety and depression, how it plays out or how it could possibly play out in the life of public figures such as Naomi Osaka? Dr. McDay, what are your thoughts? So um, I would say that um, I think it's I think it's more so also thinking about um, the role of anxiety, depression and people who are considered like, quote unquote, high performers. Right. So people who are, um, you know, uh, considered at the top of their game in whatever field that they're in. Right. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I, although I have personally not treated any, um, you know, uh, international tennis players, I have um, had children. Yeah, not yet. Um, <laughs> but um, I have had children that I've treated that have been um, very high performers in whatever their sport or their um, their uh, like ballet and dance and that sort of stuff. Ooh. And so, um, you know, I can say that, you know, a lot of those kids do do also suffer from anxiety, depression, those sorts of things. And mm -hmm. so. Um, you know, and, and, and a lot of times we think about sports as being protective uh, for kids and even for adults, right? Some, an outlet for your emotions. Um, but there are times when it can kind of be the opposite. Um, mm -hmm. And especially in um, Naomi's situation, right? So she had mentioned that her mental health kind of took a dive um, back in 2018. I believe that's when she beat Serena. Yes. Mm hmm. Yes. And there was and instead of that being like a very exciting time, the public kind of turned on her in some ways because of mm -hmm. their love for Serena, which, you know, is kind of problematic in itself that we can't in any field embrace two female <laughs> like two women as mm -hmm. being great. You know, think about that. Was it Nicki Minaj versus. um Oh my God! Uh, uh, what's that girl's name? I can't. Oh man, I'm blanking. Uh, uh, Lil Kim um, or um, was it no, Lil Kim Cardi during B. her era? Foxy Brown or Cardi B? Cardi or B. Cardi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's like the that's the thing now, right? Everybody's like, oh yeah, we're not now, but like maybe a few years back mm -hmm. when Cardi first started making moves, right? Because Nicki was winning all the time. Wow. And then when Cardi started winning, you remember, it was like at a I point do. where every time like there was an award for a woman, a female rapper, Nicki Minaj would win it. And she, you know, she'd be like, oh, what a surprise. And everybody's like, is it though? And then, you know, Cardi B right. came on the scene and everybody was like, oh, well, Nicki's trash now or she's finished or blah, blah, blah. When it can't just be these two women are both great. Wow. You know? Wow. Well, how about that? Because. The, the public does tend to pick its favorites, winners and losers, and sometimes the public wants nothing more than to see someone's downfall if, if they yeah. kind of viewed them to be uh, on a pedestal a bit, you know, through no fault of their own except for their own hard work that mm -hmm. put them in the, the, the public spotlight to the degree to which now uh, people are taking shots at them. So what do, what do you think about the act in itself 
uh, in terms of, okay, I don't have a physical injury like uh, Katova, and I know I'm saying her name wrong, ladies and gentlemen, right. but Petra is her first name, P-E-T-R-A-K-V-I-T-O-V-A -E -V -V is her last name, uh, and Roger Federer. I mean, if you don't have a physical injury, emotional pain and emotional injury is a, a lot harder to detect, right? So what does it say about someone who has a high performing or high demand uh, expectation to perform and to always be on for the public and taking care and taking initiative for the lack of a better word to, you know, self-preserve. I mean, is, isn't yes. that a statement of self-preservation in itself? I agree. I agree. I, I mean, if for her, you know, she made that decision to pull out for her health. And I think that it was the right thing to do. I think she, in a way, was modeling to others mm. um, that there's nothing more important than your mental health, right? So, you know, she said, I see that this is going to be a problem. And I would prefer to not have to deal with the worsening of my psychiatric issues and I can see that this is going to worsen it. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's very interesting because a lot of people were, you know, from what I understand, there's some people initially who were like, you know, she should tough it out. But for the most part, at least mm -hmm. the people that I've, you know, kind of like seen responses from, it's been more so supportive and that um, they want her to be healthy because what we say is, you know, you can be, you can have a ton of money, you can have all the cars, all the, uh, you know, love from all the fans and all that. But what does it matter if your mental health is not right? Right. Exactly. We've seen many, we've seen many celebrities die from suicides in the past. And oh yeah, it's only then that we're suddenly like, Oh, well, you know, mm. we wish we had known, or we wish we could, you know, uh, you know, what could we have done differently? And, and here she's doing, she's showing, Hey, I'm going to preserve me first. And I think that's mm -hmm. a good, that's a good um, a good way to model how to preserve yeah. your mental health. So. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Well, when you think about the dancers that you've supported or athletes who have gone through this at a, you know, a, a youth level, uh, what's it like, you think, to be a, a young woman in a high demand sport where usually it's an individual sport? I, I believe dance and ballet can, you know, be not really a team sport, but you, you don't always dance alone. You might dance in tandem with others. But generally speaking, the, the spotlight is on you singularly. So mm -hmm. what type of what kind of stress and duress are they under when it comes? Is it just about perfectionism or is there any other, especially if you're an athlete of color? You know, Naomi represents two countries, but she a black woman. All right. right. <laughs> Let's just put it on out there. She a black woman. So what are your thoughts on that? What What is with the fate of a black athlete that's in one of these high demand individual sports? So um, something that uh, both Dr. Williams and I kind of discussed earlier in the week was that. Okay, tell us who Dr. Uh, Williams is. Oh, Dr. Williams is a friend of mine. She's a psychiatrist here in Houston as well. Um, we'll we, get her here next time. <laughs> mm-hmm. We yes. both went to the same uh, medical school and we did residency in the same residency. So we've known each other for a really long time. Nice. Our kids are like a couple of days apart in age. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're both going to be going to medical school. So y'all better get ready for that. <laughs> Start putting that money aside now. <laughs> yes. So Dr. Williams and you would discuss these things, huh? 
Uh, yeah, we just kind of, t- I mean, we, we uh, generally will kind of chit chat uh, about once a week just to catch up. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so we were talking about this and we were kind of mentioning that, um, you know, Naomi being, like you mentioned, kind of a mixed heritage um, and where she, and how she grew up is probably a little bit different from how Serena and Venus grew up. And I think that's kind of how they kind of mentioned in their, in their support of her because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they had been in the public spotlight since they were like, what, 13, 14, girls. their father mm-hmm. had been, yeah. And their father had been coaching them mm-hmm. from a very young age. I'm sure that, yeah. you know, people are going to act differently because you're going to be two black women in the space. People mm-hmm. are going to, you know, maybe say negative things about you mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. And so, you know, they, they were already coached well before, you know, even becoming famous to just not to completely disregard anything that the media said. That doesn't mean that they, that they would have, that was the only reason why they are able to do so. But Mm -hmm. I think that that was a very different expectation. I'm assuming um, than maybe what might've happened with Naomi. So um, uh, I I think that, yeah. And so I think that, you know, anytime you have a, a black woman in a, or a black, um, person coming into a space where it's um, a sport or a, um, a environment where it's been where there has been no black people before mm-hmm. um, it can be challenging yeah Is i'm sure we remember yeah like, go ahead. i'm sure we remember all the things that they were saying about venus and serena when they were coming up right oh, yeah. oh they you know they grunting like monkeys when they hit the ball before like before they came and played tennis women like didn't make any noises when they were hitting the ball Do you, i don't know if you like kind of remember that i remember that as a kid oh, yeah. i was like huh. it was like yeah. a big deal that they made they made a noise when they hit the ball <laughs> i mean not like that i mean when they would play each other oh my god it was just straight power <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and I loved it. And people were, I mean, the, the, the world of tennis is still shook by that because it's like you got not one, but two. Because Venus, you know, people forget Venus was killing it mm-hmm. before Serena was. And it was all about Venus for a good while there before Serena kind of found her lane. And this is KCWGTheTruth.com's program. is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rohn. We're talking to the wonderful Dr. Allison McDay, psychiatrist out of Houston, Texas. We're talking about anxiety, depression, and public life, uh, particularly as it pertains to tennis star Naomi Osaka. So over the weekend, Dr. McDay, uh, Lil Durk's um, uh, brother got shot and killed in Chicago. And uh, it's the third such tragedy that Lil Durk has faced. That's a different yeah. generation of music that I'm familiar with, but it's been making yeah. news and highlights or headlines, I should say. Uh, King Von, who's another popular rapper in that same family, they, they call themselves OFT. And OFT stands for Only For The Family or, oh, excuse me, OTF, O-T-F. Only yeah. The Family. Yeah. So he was called OTF Thang, and OTF Nuna uh, was uh, someone else that was shot in that camp as well. Uh, years ago. And so the idea is that this is happening in Chicago. And the reason why I bring up Chicago is Lori Lightfoot is the mayor. I'm just thinking about this because I read so much news, Dr. McDade. I'm sorry. (laughs) But a week or two ago, the mayor of Chicago, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, said to the press, look, this week I'm only talking to journalists that are black. I mean, one-on-one interviews, I'm only granting to black journalists because y'all don't get enough attention. And 
it didn't preclude anyone from you know attending her press conferences but for one week she said i'm prioritizing my people because we're underrepresented and they don't often get a shot so i compare and contrast that with naomi osaka if you are in a field as you said where there's nobody around that really looks like you okay and in many ways you feel like you're maybe even behind enemy lines to a certain extent you don't see anybody in the press pool that looks anything like you Mm-hmm. And what what does that do? I mean, you, you can assume that you're safe. You can assume that it's colorless in, in, in its intention to either uh, extend an, an invite to someone that's, you know, sort of breaking the mold, if you will, like uh, Venus and Serena did years ago on the heels of Althea Gibson years ago before them. But if you're one of very, very few that walk that walk, and you look out and you don't sense you're in a host or excuse me, a welcoming and friendly environment, what that what does that do? Lori Lightfoot said, look, I'm tired of talking to all you white folks, no disrespect, but I'm gonna talk to my people. I mean, don't I have that right to do that? So, okay, so the question is, what factor could that possibly play in the mind of someone who knows they're looking out into an audience of the press pool that doesn't look like them. Can you envision what kind of impact that might have on someone's mental health? Well, um, we kind of are, um, I think there was something in one of the articles that I read that um, Naomi, I guess, had mentioned something about black lives, supporting like Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah, and, I forgot about that. Um, being against like police brutality and mm-hmm. um, which those two things in there, just kind of like, just in there, most basic sense, you know, to me, seem like uh, not shocking or <laughs> statements right. or anything, right. but um, <laughs> being against police, police brutality, but, um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but for, you know, the way things are here in America, unfortunately, that um, was very oh, polarizing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an act of aggression, right? <laughs> right. And so um, I can see how even especially after that being thinking well are these people going to be saying things and doing things with that with my Mm. political Mm -hmm. affiliations or political um leanings like in mind you know are they going to be saying things that uh, you know because they dislike me because of certain beliefs that i hold Mm. or or in and kind of in the sense that you're saying because of the color of my skin and that kind of stuff. So I can understand that being a added layer of like stress. Yeah. Um, to to the to the interviews. Um, mm. but one thing I would say, and I guess I'm just always a cynic, but like I feel like the reason why these are required is more for monetary purposes mm. and less so about, I don't know, whatever other reason they might say that they need to speak to the press before and after right yeah so yeah, yeah. they want because think about it like why do people love reality tv shows because you see people with their raw emotions like they yep. want they want they want the press there right before and right after so that it's almost like mirroring reality tv shows so people could be, be right there right in the action oh mm-hmm. i i feel what she's feeling it's just why the same thing when those reporters go 
running up to kids after school shootings and trying to talk to the kids after school shootings, which makes right. to me no sense. No. So. No. Um, you know, yeah. How do you treat it though? Um, she's gonna go on. Uh, we got a couple minutes left. She's gonna go on to other tournaments, ideally. Yeah. Uh, pres presumably, anyway, she's gonna get past this one, and let's say she's at Indian Wells or the U.S. Open or yeah. you know, Wimbledon. So how how would from a, a medical standpoint, how would someone be recommended to to address their mental health issues or their anxiety about uh, being in the public eye? Um, so in terms of being in the public eye and, and having to speak publicly, um, there are different ways to treat that. So there's some medical treatments for um, just specifically that you can, you know, do prior to public speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also um, some therapeutic things that people do. And it's just kind of uh, something that over time people can improve on. But especially her being a young woman, developmentally, teenagers and young adults, they are in a period where they already feel like everybody is watching them. If you and I trip in the grocery store or something, we'll just move on with our life. But like if a teenager, like, I don't know, trips or that, you know, that classic, I have a zit on my face, I can't go to school because everybody's gonna like, you know, I'd rather be, you know, I don't know, uh, I'd rather be at home rather than go to school because I have a zit on my face. That whole mentality is um, kind of like a developmental stage. So um, you know, I think with time, some of that will improve, but then in addition to that, there are other things that she can do in terms of like therapeutic, um, techniques, maybe some like graded exposure and that kind of stuff. But, you know, she can't, sometimes being in the public eye all the time, it's okay to take a break. Absolutely. Yeah. What's wrong with Nothing that? Wrong I mean, with that. Like, I'm tired of y'all. <laughs> I can't do it today, y'all. Y'all just, yeah. just don't know. Had a tough day on the court. Tough day at the office. I don't be messing with you. How, you how, many, of us take, how many of us, exactly, how many of us take mental health days at work? Come on. We just say, you know what? I'm, <clears throat> I'm sick. I think I'm going to sit. I'm going to stay at home. Today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, the struggle is real. <clears throat> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm talking about. So, Thank you, Dr. McDade. I mean, because, you know, I, I worry about our folks out in the public limelight and, you know, I mean, look at your field. I mean, psychiatry ain't that many, you know, relatively speaking, ain't that many black folks in psychiatry, no. relatively speaking. So when you and Dr. Williams look around y'all, I mean, you're going to be more drawn to kindred spirits. Not that you can't get, a, get along and ally yourself with others, but you, you're looking for safety. You know, yes. you don't want to be constantly feeling like you're amongst a, a field of sharks, you know, just one day, just one day. Give 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 the sister a break, y'all. Dr. Yeah. Allison McDade is a psychiatrist out of Houston, Texas. Dr. McDade, thank you so much for joining us. Is there a way for people to access help if they're struggling with anxiety and depression? They need help. They need services or support or counseling or therapy or medicine. If they wanted to see you or receive such support, uh, what's the best way for them to do so? So um, I do have a private, a small private practice. Um, uh, it's called Health and Harmony Psychiatry. Um, other than that, um, I, right now I'm working for the jail, so don't come see me in the jail. The jail. <laughs> hey, if I'm feeling bad enough, I'll go anywhere to get help. <laughs> Even jail. So long as they let me out. I ain't trying to have no long extended stay. You know what I'm saying? But uh, right. bless your heart, Dr. McDay, for doing God's work like that. Uh, they need services, too. You know, on the serious tip, they need services, too. They do. 
they need support they and they're often forgotten about and forsaken but there are brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles and daddies and grandfathers all of that grandmothers yep. aunties they definitely are all of that so thank you mcday you keep keep on doing god's work and will you join us again sometime on psychotic bump school absolutely all right well this is kcwg the truth.com's program's called psychotic bump school i'm dj rome that was the wonderful dr allison mcday psychiatrist out of houston texas stay tuned for more we'll be right back after this wouldn't it be nice if i could show you i don't think you know the whole truth it says you about me no everything i do is for the balance Feeling content, still never too comfy for the challenge I often think of my mother, wonder why she managed Why my stepdaddy still embraced her with all that extra baggage I see my girl and my kids and I instantly think of blessings It's only more recently I figured out what success is Maybe you can appreciate the sentiment in this message We may never see the fruit of this labor which we invested This foundation for the future's built on something which these kids can depend Trying to stack up every minute we spend You know the struggle won't stop Searching and I found you within Don't bring them energies around me again You know the hate won't stop Can't tell your enemies from your friends I make it all just feel the same as a win Every day it won't stop Yeah Every day it won't stop Yeah Every day it won't stop I don't think it's fair Cause I'm just getting Yes, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, every once in a while, I like to bring some brothers on from the community who are really doing some active and positive things in the world of education. Uh, this good brother has been here multiple times before. It's been a while since he's been here, though, so I'm, I'm really eager to catch up with him and see what he's got going on and what he's got coming up. He's got something called the Afrospora Academy that he's going to be jumping off come August of 2021, and I want to hear all about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, this good brother, professor, uh, educator, Dr. Don Trenil Claiborne. Dr. Claiborne, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yes, sir. Did I get your name right, brother? Yeah, Don Trinil, Don Trinil. <laughs> like I like I like I think I kinda of mentioned I'm from South Central LA, so you know Come on now. Come Come on. And I like I just like saying your whole name, man. It's like nobody else in the planet's got that name. Nobody else is calling themselves Don Trinil. So Dr. Don yeah, Trinil. Exactly, no. exactly. Well, welcome back, good brothers. Really good to hear your voice and great to have you back. You've been a busy uh individual just finishing up another semester of learning and education and reaching out to the the young folks coming and embarking upon their collegiate endeavors, you know what I'm saying? But you got something that you've created uh for the community. Uh uh, why don't you tell us about it, man? What what have you been busy creating around this Afrospora Academy? Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yes, I can. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on here again. I appreciate you. And, you know, what it is, since COVID started, I've, I've been a long-time educator teaching college-level courses since 1999. I started at Coppin State College in Baltimore uh, and Ended up teaching again while doing my doctor at UCLA at Santa Monica College and Southwest College. And now I'm teaching at LA City College. And what's interesting is that I've been teaching in person and online for years. But with this COVID situation, it's, it required us to teach via Zoom. Yep. yep. Which we hadn't learned in two weeks. Right. And, you know, and there was something else. And so the thing is, it really made me obviously 
reflect and go, oh, wait, hold on. I'm feeling, and here's the thing I like to stress real quick, is that, you know, educators are now recording artists. Mm. We're basically, you know, recording whole albums and, and you know, on, on wax. But, you know, and also doing a set production, making sure nothing in our background. I had a bad situation with recording a video and I couldn't use it because my daughter's, you know, junkie bookshelf was in the background. <laughs> so cool. But what I'm saying is, you know, this whole Zoom thing made me realize that it unlocked me as an educator and just someone who socially, if you want to talk to your friends, as long as no one's doing anything illegal, you Zoom. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, educating wise, we're doing after report showcase this August. Um, and so we're just wrapping up and we use the month of, of July to promote. We're just trying to get organized on what exactly we're going to do mm. in August. But basically, I, I've done music showcases back in like 09 and 2014 for a music artist showcase. And so Africa Academy is kind of building on that, taking our approach, which is a triple A approach, which something I came up with as an educator, which I, it stands for the triple A approach. The A stands for arts, academic, athletics. And I feel that there's an interrelationship between the three that you'll see a lot of people who make moves. It's real quick note. There's a guy named a revolutionary leader named Samora Michelle. I find out that Samora Michelle, who's a revolutionary leader in Mozambique, who was unfortunately um, uh, died in a plane crash. People think said by South Africa. Anyway, mm. he was a revolutionary leader, also a medical trained, a medical trained and a physician, and he's an avid tennis player. I'm an avid. I used to be an avid tennis player, and I'm academic. And I'm in the music and uh, it's so active revolutions. I'm not gonna be the first one to throw the to throw the first brick, but if there was something viable, I, I think I would be a part of that. These are some of the things that have predicated the 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 initiation of your academy coming up. And so yeah. oh, uh, just out of frustration, you know, it's just like yeah. hey, I'll build it, I'll create it, you know, if they're not gonna offer it, you know, these are the th things that I know really I don't need well to and yeah, go ahead. I don't, I don't need a. I'm sorry. I don't need a brick and mortar school to right. educate on what I'm educating. Especially think about it, right? If I get students and people are interested outside of the school, I don't need you know. Especially now, Zoom and COVID is showing us right. Education can be done anywhere, and yeah, and I just think it's really a good opportunity to be more entrepreneurial minded and really actually yes. act more of the education. Education consultant is basically the way I'm trying yeah. to feel. That's dope. So break it down again. So if somebody signs up for Afrospora Academy, uh, what are they going to get? Because I heard education, I heard oh, yeah. artistry, I heard turntables, I heard DJ. I, it sounds <laughs> beautiful, brother. So I want to be clear. If I sign up or if I sign my child up, uh, yes. If I have one, uh, what, what would they be getting? What would they be signing up? You're gonna get okay. So what's going on? You're gonna be exposed to this good information and knowledge from African history to to uh, you know maybe some like the wellness, health, wellness, science, science topics, and so they're all being narrowed down. But what's for sure is that after Academy, I actually archive hundreds of, of videos, documentaries educational documentaries, right, and, and mm -hmm. things like this for years. And also, I have access to, you know, for African history, at least, 
to uh, get folks some PDF versions of books that are like African, the United Nations General History of Africa text is basically one of those core texts we're going to use and there's a documentary series by the BBC. And so I have the PDFs of the volumes. Mm-hmm. So like give you access to like actual academic like material, um, some books and things and out and then also just like I said, work books and things that I'll get to academic content directly to you in your email, as well as access to and knowledge of like maybe I archive I did what's called it's a thing too called cyber archiving. Okay. Where I've saved the in different uh, sites, but largely YouTube, uh, like I said, hundreds, <laughs> dozens and hundreds, depending on the category of academic videos, um, you know, music, and I think all kind of go together. And mm-hmm. and so that's what we're looking to do this summer. Is, is you know, also you're going to even have a panel like on sports and you know, in society kind of thing, because I believe that, like, you know, you need to keep your body strong, and I think athletics or sports activity helps that, the body, but also helps with your mental strength, and then your mental strength can benefit from your, your sports, you know, kind of mind state, and if you are supplying all of that with, like, a a good, healthy, or conscious, you know, uh, energetic, artistic, music, visual art, back kind of support accompaniment, I think all three together mm-hmm. produce a thing of active mind and people that are a lot more dynamic, I guess is the word I would use. So what we're trying to do with our four is uh, you know is say spreading the, the three E's enlightenment, empowerment, and enjoyment. That's that's oh, the slogan for this summer. Absolutely. For, for enlightenment, spreading enlightenment, empowerment and enjoyment. Uh, okay, so in that vein, it sounds like you can get something. I mean, I'm just thinking about some of the archival uh, footage yeah. that you have. I mean, is it ranging from the triangular slave trade to Ghana, yeah, Ghana the great three Islamic empires that dominated Africa in, in the early 14th, 15th century, stuff like that? Some of that, yeah, some of the African history documentaries, um, you know, Native American history mm. documentaries that I found. And like this stuff, I guess the term is, I guess I have to use it, has been compiled and curated mm-hmm. by myself and other people who, who suggested things, but myself, Dr. Claiborne. Mm-hmm. But like my, on my website, one way to keep in contact is afrispora at gmail.com. So A F R I S P O R A at gmail.com. Yes. And my profile, for those interested, maybe. Is Afrispor, so it's www.afrispora.com slash curator, C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Thank you, Dr. Claiborne, for joining us. You take care. You too. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was the good brother, Dr. Don Claiborne. Check him out at the Afrispora Academy, y'all. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back after this. Peace, this is John Robinson, and you're listening to DJ Rowan on Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. 
The prophet like Khalil Gibran we build upon Life and its prospects, heated moments get dissected Next record, new methods of a classic touch Heard the sound before but never blasted much Last of the Mohicans a mic speaking his sight freedom To think any which way in all type seasons Rip mics frequent, not only iron out the whack we left the creasing Children of the night the most creative of them all Expression of the essence of the music that came before they adored 50 years ago it's still prominent Known around the world for slinging vowels and consonants Conglomerate, formed throughout the journey we're learning how to connect the dots to keep the people still yearning for more So music is forever, it's pretty evident Support substance music, let's keep it relevant No hesitance to the K-I-M Motivation in the flesh, I wanna say I'm him I wanna be remembered by many for blazing gems Word inspiring the youth, truth raising men Praise the blend, yes it's him Robinson, creation of hip-hop zen We recommend self-style wisdom, my friend Building a solid foundation that crowd-breaking stems Piece it together, gotta rock the real deal Is really all I feel is ill Cool as an ice cube and kill it well with mic skill my light thrills international, I get gratitude What's the matter with you? Stop hitting cause they came after you Guidance is needed to keep the cipher completed Can focus with funds depleted But I'ma beat it, be it The MC, yeah, you wanna see it And hear it, the vocals universal, don't fear it Smearing on the walls of nostalgia like wowzers, bruh Figuring the quadratic of life, advanced algebra He writes about life in the real, the height and the thrill And every now and then he write rhymes Boast about skill is ill Standing strong still, countless songs real The conform spell, not this bomb bill A foundation strong enough to hold the weight Gotta lead the weak, simply eliminate, it's getting late Oh man, it's been so long, never need to prolong, instead I just go on Got the people in mind whenever scripting these songs From the thought leaders down to the mind so strong Stuck in the box, still giving love and props This is hip-hop, world life, it just don't stop This is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School I'm DJ Rome, and ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is an amazing talent in the hip-hop scene This brother has done the gamut of what the the underground soulful jazz hip-hop lyricist lounge type of vibe is all about this good brother debuted in 1996 with his crew called science of life and ever since then he's put out at least 20 albums or releases uh originally out of the south bronx of new york i believe brooklyn new york uh wanted to i'm gonna have him clarify that he's been in queens new jersey uh la and uh, currently, the good brother is in the beautiful South in the ATL. And right now, he's with us on Psychotic Bump School. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, the good brother, Mr. John Robinson. How you doing, good brother? Yo, I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Glad to be here, man. And um, man. peace to you. Peace to you. And, you know, I got to shout out the Soul Children family right off top because, yes, you know, that's definitely the connection. And, um, yeah, man, I want to say, you know, it just feels good to building this context i got to do a little research on psychotic bump school and what you all are about and i definitely appreciate the vibe i feel like it's right up my alley yeah i, I think so too man thank you for that acknowledgement of that and speaking of that alley and that vein in which we came across one another uh as we said before we recorded you and i met years ago uh with with the crew and mm -hmm. uh, it was sort of, uh, I'm gonna let you describe it, but it's, can you talk a little bit about that divine encounter through which that yes. was when you were in Los Angeles and can you, cause that was before, oh, excuse me, that was a little bit after you had debuted. So people knew who you were, right? So absolutely. how would you describe that time of your life when you were in LA after 96, when you debuted with Science of Life and you were in LA uh, doing your thing, good brother? What can you tell us? I'll say this. Um first time visiting California, period. Um, I'll, I'll start it off by saying this. I get to LAX, um, get to the rental car place, and they 
tell me bad news, they don't have any cars. So I'm sitting there Uh-oh. for about 25 minutes and the manager comes out and she said, Mr. Robinson, I have some great news. Um, I actually have a car for you, but you know, I'm going to work something out. It's, it's a convertible Mustang. I don't know if you want a convertible. And I was like, whoa. So yeah, I got a first time in LA. I drove out convertible. I hit that highway and I said, wow, I could be here. Seriously. I like literally in first 10 minutes there, the vibe hit me and I said, I could be here because as soon as I got on the highway, a DJ Quick song came on and I was like, yo, this is crazy. This is it. This is like, yeah, this is it. This is it. But I'll I'll go further and say, um, you know, I'm visiting family at the time in Pasadena and my second night there, I just literally said, you know what? I want to just take a ride on some tourist vibes. You know, there's a lot of film that I was into that was based in LA, particularly in South Central, in the hood. So I started strolling down Crenshaw and I saw all these people outside and I didn't know where I was, but I felt like, nah, this is not this is not negative vibes. This is hip hop. This is culture. So I pulled over. I found myself in Leimert Park, you know, um, randomly. So I go to the door where people are standing. I'm like, oh, what's going on? And, oh, this is about to be an event, Project Blow. Like, oh, this is dope. Mm. I've heard of this, you know. So I go to the door, yo, sign, proof from Science of Life. Got the door, says, Science of Life, hold on. Comes <laughs> back two minutes later, the door opens and I meet Ross G. Come on. Rest in power. Rest in power. So, you know, that night it was uh, myself and Stacey Epps, and we actually performed that night, you know. And after being there for about 10, 20 minutes with Raj G spinning, when he asked us what beat we wanted, it was like, bro, you could put anything on. You, you got the vibes. We, right. yeah, we, it's, it's all there. The vibe is A alike. So we got to rock out with him, but we never took his info. So we left, you know, fast forward a year later, living in LA. You know, I was thinking like, wow, we got to find that DJ, man. Let's try to go back to that. You know, and at this point, we didn't even really know where we were. You know, so weird enough, someone told us about this uh, African marketplace festival type of vibe that was going on there where the Clippers used to play. Um, I can't remember that area or what that arena was called, but we go there. And as soon as we walk into the area, Ross G is standing right there. Mm. But it's funny, before that, two days later, we saw him on the Flow a Tree Say Yes video. So we're like, yo, there he is. We yeah. got to find, you know. That's right. So it's like we, we connect with him. We reconnect. The first thing he says to me is, yo, I got some folks you need to meet. And they got a booth. And he brought me right over to the Soul Children booth. And that's when I met Al Sacred. I feel like you were there as well. Yes. You know, and yeah, brothers had the vibes going. And at the time just the chamber I was in, the moment I heard what y'all were doing and the first time I went to Juju, I was like, oh yeah, this is like, hey, you like vibes all day. I'm gonna be here as much as I can. Yes, sir. And I was, you know? Wow. But that was the entry point in the connect. And then as I got to, because um, I was the closest with Al, but I also knew Sacred just from the record stores. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But as I got to know Al more, I start to realize, like, wow, this dude's so humble, but he's a giant. He's a beast. Like, you know, he's like real low key and cool about his thing. But nah, bro, you you got the vibes. Like, you're That's killing right. it, you know? And I, I just really enjoyed, I would literally follow his DJ sets and just go enjoy and chill. And that was a big part of my entry into Los Angeles as it was gaining creative inspiration. I would just randomly go out, you know, they had uh, what was that magazine called joints? Yes. I used to, I used to laugh to my peeps back East and say, yo, they got a TV guide with every event, every day of every moment. It's crazy. They got their own event TV guide. Like that's how crazy it is, you know? So I would literally go look and see something interesting and go hang out, Mm. get a glass of wine and vibe out to the music and network very, you know, low key and slowly but surely. But I felt like there were key people who really plugged me into the scene. And Ross G was definitely one of those people. Al as well, you know, Al and Ross were, oh, yo, you need to know this person. Yo, you know about this radio show? Yo, you need to know about this promoter. Yo, it was always just a share and it, it really felt warm like family you know so wow. they definitely welcomed me to la and it also helped that i got there while doom was working on mad villain finishing that up mm-hmm. and you know with my connection with doom being really starting here in atl um what was that like 99 we did a show here and then we discovered oh snap doom lives out here we move out here a year later and then we're able to connect on a more creative, you know, get in the lab, but also just go out and hang out and break bread level. Mm. And um, yeah, just special times, a lot of learning, a lot of sharing, and just a lot of us sitting back in awe, like how do you do that? <laughs> you know, yeah. like whether it was with the MPC or, you know, something that he said in a rhyme, like, mm. But it was always amazing. But I, I say all that to say Doom was another, you know, person that definitely introduced me to a lot of folks on the West Coast. Of course, uh, Mad Lib and that whole crew, but just other peeps as well, you know, just through his network. And um, I call it L.A. Times. I'm going to write a book about it one day. And that chapter is going to be called L.A. Times. And it's going to be really long. Wow. Really long. Yeah. Wow. It was a blessed, blessed four years of life. Wow. Yeah. Man, you just took me back, man, because um, I was trying to reflect as you, I was listening to you. So that must have been an event akin to, I think, what was called the Black Family Reunion. And it may have been at the Coliseum. It was outdoors. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Outdoors. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah, because you're right. We had African Marketplace. And we had Black Family Reunion, and that was pretty huge at the time. And I think it was over there by the Coliseum. We did have a booth set up, and I was in and out. And man, I am I'm shocked. I'm shocked because I, I feel like my first encounter with you um, may not have necessarily been there, although I don't doubt that that's where you met us. But we, we worked in shifts at the booth, and so it was likely it's possible that I missed that particular introduction, but I know I met you in other places, because as you got around, if you came to Juju, because I can oh, remember yeah. distinctly, I always say, hey, this is Cy, you know, and it's like, yo, this is my man Rome, and it's like, it was fam, but what's so fascinating, man, you know, and thank you for uh, the love, man. 
because, um, you know, we're going through it out here with our dear brother passing, you know, and yes. so it, it's yes. been hard, you know, and I, I know respectfully it's been hard on you in many ways as well, especially when you reflect about Ross G as well. And so yeah. Yeah. When, when we think about that time and, you know, just the roots and listening to your music and your sound and all those jazzy influences, those horns, those riffs, those 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 jazz licks and runs, I, I can see why uh alan you connected the way you did and ross as well i mean al is a jazz cat man like you you know yeah. his father no no jazz no cat, man a professional jazz musician and can you tell us a little bit about your roots i mean now that we have kind of established la uh your music your sound is just really deeply jazzy man you, you've covered many styles a multitude of styles a universe of styles but that jazz seems really strong in you can you talk to us a little bit about where some of that might come from for you Absolutely. Um, definitely my grandfather, you know, I, I vividly, I always tell this story. I vividly remember being, shoot, about eight years old, riding in the backseat of the car, you know, probably going to Harlem, check out some of his friends or whatever. And me saying, you know, I was a wise guy. So I'm like, yo, Pops, man, why are you listening to this elevator music? <laughs> and he literally, you know, and at the time, really, I didn't even know what that meant. Someone said that recently and I just said it. And at the time, you know, he's um, really just vibed out into it. And that was his thing. Mm -hmm. So he turns the music down. He said, what? And, I, and then I and then I say, I didn't repeat it. I say, I don't understand why you're listening to these white people playing music. It's corny. Mm -hmm. And so he laughs at this point, but then he gets really serious and he said, is that what you think this is? Mm. So he turns the music down more till it's off. And then he really just breaks down and gives me a brief history of the music and, you know, how he got connected and why it's important and the storytelling. And, that. and although I didn't catch it all at the moment, it mm. was his intensity and the look on his face mm -hmm. that told me everything I needed to know. Like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, you need wow. to stop playing games. This is right. this is our music. That classic 50s, 60s jazz era, that was his thing. You know, he played all the masters um, in the car and just would always tell stories about just how the music connected people and how the music was the thing that's not getting the props for breaking boundaries and uh, breaking barriers, you know? He would always talk about how, yeah, you know, you could have people fighting in wars and this, that, but you put the music on and everyone's cool with each other and they could be under the same roof and be fine. Mm. And he's like, why aren't they tapping into that more? You know, so these are all things that, again, I was too young to really hold these jewels for real and digest them, but I grew into them. And mm. I didn't always point to it like I'm able to articulate the roots of it now, but mm -hmm. as I grew further, I realized all the connections and influence and, you know, just where it comes from. But then also all the things culturally at the time that Pops just put us into. You know, I remember the first time him taking me to see uh, Mo Better Blues. Mm -hmm. And then I saw that jazz thing video. Yeah. And yeah, that. Oh, man, I, I would probably give that 99% of the credit right there. <laughs> you wow. know, like, when I saw that and I heard yeah. Guru drop it and just, you know, the way he oh, storytelled with the essence, the fabric, the names, you know, just the air 
it, it taught me right there, like, you know what, this is, this is a thing. But at the time I wasn't writing or anything like that, but I learned so much from that because I went back to it years later. I, I always remember, you know, damn, it was this dope tune. Didn't even really know what it was at the time. But by the time I went back to it, I was able to understand exactly what it was. And shout outs to Guru because his his lens gave me a lot of perspective of how to how to talk that talk, but also listening to him storytell his love of jazz connected me to want to know more about the stories and history and then mm. you know listening to tribe and all these other peeps sampling jazz the pete and cls and mm-hmm. and once you started to see the names and you know see the records and who they're playing with etc you wanted to learn more about the stories and who knew who and who was crew and you know why was this made why did they name it that and Right. And then you start to realize, wow, this is us. Then, you wow. know, the the thing that separates us is time. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll I'll leave it by saying, what keeps me here is I realize how important it is to tell your story while you're here, even outside of industry. Whether a record sells a trillion copies or five it's just as important because you got to put it out there for you you know for you and your gift and share in that way so that became more and more important to me and i just wanted to storytell and i also wanted to have a have a lot large catalog i want i want people to find me in places that i've never been or may never see or meet people through music that I'll never get to shake their hand or, you know, give them a hug. Mm. That's really, you know, wow, the roots of it. But yeah, just really vicariously living through all these musicians, it teaches me that music truly is forever. And when we're playing, vibing to, or sampling these records, most of them didn't feel so legendary when they were making the music. It was hard. Mm-hmm. It's rough, you know. You had to fight through to keep it going, to yeah, keep yeah. the lights on, to keep your livelihood flowing. So Ooh. I appreciate all of that, and you know, it's it's deep rooted now. So it's 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 more lifestyle than it is hobby or fanship. Yo, life in existence These verses are prescriptions To get into the system with persistence The mission is bigger than hip-hop, yo Gotta save the infants From the dark side of life And all this contradictions I'm wishing for greatness in my journey I'm fishing for solutions To the love the world is yearning I feel forever young That's because I'm always learning I heard patience a virtue But the vibe is just so urgent I'm certain that The real is coming back to the forefront Here to celebrate the greatness That came before us The rawness, pure organic That's what we planted into the hearts of so many we touch and not a planet to keep more that realness coming the people want it but they program our major station that's always running nothing but the same old thing that's why we bring the vibrations when a whole new swing yup we doing this right 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 remember there's a revolution going on in the world as a remember There's a revolution going on in the world. Remember, 
There's a revolution going on in the world. As you remember, there's a revolution going on in the world. Introducing Peace, this is John Robinson, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host DJ Rome on KCWG, thetruth.com, the best internet radio show on the planet. Revolution, a music revolution, the back to move forward to make better music. Revolve Revolution, a music revolution, the back to move forward to make better music. Picture perfect like the great day in Harlem type stardom. Before Twitter, we were scripting and building a following. Organic push the panic button type dope. And everything that he spoke is a profound quote. Dynamic, candid, running rampant, outlandish. Been two decades since we expanded across the Atlantic. You feel the pain of your temptations when my pen shaking. The masters awaken and thought forms hard to explain this channel At worldwide broadcast angles It tangles around minds of people's far away And close by intimate locals They hear the vocals I give thanks to all of the world I ever spoke to Revolve Evolution A music revolution Look back to move forward To make better music Revolve Evolution A music revolution Look back to move forward To make better music I said Revolve Evolution A music revolution Look back to move forward To make better music Revolve evolution, a music revolution Look back to move forward, forward, forward Imagine that pristine pure with a crisp clean raw Nutrient exploded and obscurely morgue Right rhymes in our lifetimes of our story Black clouds and clear blue skies, it's all glory Face it, there's obstacles that can't be erased, kid Life is an initiation with floating in space, dig It's bigger than hip-hop and looking cool No longer smart to be dumb, yeah, we shook the rules Straight lace, no crooked jewels Spoon feed the mass, I tell stool Enough healing fools, cool We taking steps higher than before Supply and demand, we came through the door It's raw, ah, the world Yo, it's yours, yo, it's yours That's crazy, this is KCWG, thetruth.com This program's called Psychotic Bump School, I'm DJ Rome That's the voice of the good brother John Robinson Uh, Man, and see, what's so amazing to hear about your journey, John, is that it's more than just a pad and a pen for you and a microphone. I mean, you you make beats, you know what I'm saying? Yes, you're, a producer. Yes. you're an artist for real through and through. And though you trust others with that responsibility quite often, you yourself are a phenomenal beat maker in your own right. So uh, can you talk to us a little bit about your beat making journey as we pivot into King JR? I'm assuming it's JR, not Junior, right? It's King JR. Yes, King JR, King JR. We'll get into that because yeah, salute to Blue. I'll talk about all of that, but um, yeah, yeah beat making journey started, really started in 99, but beat making for me for many years was more therapeutic than it was I'm making beats for myself and others. It was more, I'm not writing, it's late night, I feel this creative urge, I'm a techie, let's learn how to use this new equipment, you know? And the journey for Science of Life led into the beat making journey because we had, um, shout out to Big Just of Company Flow, Mm. uh, one of our mentors and guides in our early career. And long story short, he took us window shopping at a lot of equipment stores about a year before he presented to us um, a deal. He, you know, started a label, had some partners and investors and, you know, presented to us this deal, but also with the deal, he said, look, now y'all got enough money to go to any classic New York hip hop studio that we all know and love, or Mm. you could take a third of that money and go to the stores that we've been window shopping at all year because y'all know everything you want to get 
learn spend spend the other part of the money to invest in the time and buy yourself time to learn how to record yourselves and make money make music forever wow. you know and we chose that door because it just resonated with us more and we truly wanted to learn how to produce records how to record ourselves how to create in this other way outside of like you said the pad and pen so that's really where it started and it was you know um vintage machines like the ASR 10 keyboard the ASR X uh MPC 2000 and just really tinkering and learning the equipment was a journey within itself that I didn't take for granted or take lightly and really enjoyed because I didn't have to show it to anybody, you know, it was just, it was for me, mm -hmm. you know, and I really enjoyed that part of it. But I got to say, shout out to Los Angeles. Being there at the time I was there, mm. it opened me up to a whole nother part of beat making. And I always say I met, while there, I met a lot of young geniuses. That's what I call them, mm -hmm. you know, Ross G being one of them, you mm. know, um, definitely. Uh, Flying Lotus. I met Steve in the lobby of the Henry Fonda Theater opening up. We opened for a Mad Villain release party that night. He wasn't even flying low yet. And he he wanted to meet Doom and Madeline. And, you know, I'm looking around like, bro, it's the release party. I can't get I can't guarantee you'll meet Doom and Madeline tonight. But, you know, right. maybe it'll happen. But long story short, we stayed in touch from that. Steve was fresh out of film school. So I knew him for a year before he played me any music. Mm. And when I heard the music, low key, I kind of cursed him out because it was so good. <laughs> you know, it's like, I did, you know. Wow. Um, DiBiase, another young genius mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'll say this. One of, one of a powerful conversation because Ross, although I call him a young genius, the tables flipped when I moved away. Ross became like mm. a guru of sorts, you know? He, his, his demeanor became more OG-ish. And I'm like asking mm -hmm. him questions now, you mm. know, um, in this way of like, yo, what do you think about this? What do you think? Because I just trusted his creative ear and his just taste, you know? Ross is a genuine tastemaker. That's who he is, mm. you know? So I remember sitting with Ross, I don't know how many years ago this was, but I said, yo, Ross G, man, we're sitting in space base, chilling. And me jokingly said, man, what's the next level of John Robinson with this music? And he turned around and said, oh, that's easy. You need to get one of these little boxes, start putting your beats in here and rhyming to your beats and freaking these boxes on stage and the people will go crazy. Mm. And, you know, I laughed, but I left there and got in the car and was like, oh, shit, he, he might be on to something. Right. And I literally went home, copped the SP404 and learned how to use that shit. And I feel like the two, three years after that, I was running around the planet with this little box doing exactly that. Wow. And it just kind of got me more into the beats. Mm -hmm. But being in L.A., you know, I was there for just seeing Madlib pass CDs around with like 50, 100 beats on it. I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like these cats are doing this many beats that you can just throw beats around to the community. And, it's, right. and these are not even all your beats. That's just a little something. Jeez. Uh -huh. You know, so that. And then when Dilla hit the scene, I'm hearing these exclusive Dilla, Dilla beat tapes and, you know, the uh, Battle Cat tape and just the different tapes and beats mm -hmm. that were circulating. The Sarah beat tape. I was like, yeah, this is crazy. And then 
just seeing, like, I remember the first time telling my peeps back East, yo, they have shows where there's no words. Cats would just sit in a room and just bop for hours to nothing but beats. It's incredible. Mm. And my peeps are like, come on, that sounds stupid. Why would you do that? No one's rhyming. It wasn't until folks start to visit and we would go to the different events and cats were just blown away by just how good it felt to just hear instrumentals. And I, I really experienced that first there. Wow. Um, but it was that that inspired me to come out with it more. You know what I'm saying? Show, show the beats, mm. get into it. LA, you know, took me to another level of even record digging. You know, I met so many guys who were just so crazy and into the records. They taught me a lot. I got to salute Carlos Nino. Yes, sir. You know, that's one of my comrades who definitely, you know, plugged me into the scene and connected the dots, gigs, et cetera. And that's someone else. Ross G brought me right to it. Yes. Yo, you got to meet this guy. So mm-hmm. I'll say this. I've never taken a trip to L.A. after moving from there and not stop by to check Ross or stop through Lamert. That was like a hodge for me every single time. And the only time we didn't connect is if he wasn't in town or just, you know, couldn't. But that was so real. So I'll say this. Um, I don't know what it's going to be like the next time to not be able to do that. Yeah. You know, because I, I haven't been there since his transition to the ancestral plane. But yeah. I think of them often and I think of all my peeps on that side just because it was really a special time for me and my growth and Mm. development creatively and lastly i'll say la taught me yes you could rap to anything jay but guess what you can expand the boom bap you can have the mpc drums with a live trumpet on there and a bass line from a bass player and have some percussion and shakers and just create this montage or smorgasbord of vibe that comes from you You know, you could produce in this way where you're collaborating with other musicians who are brilliant and coming together with this collective energy to put music together in that way. And some of the stuff I've been working on production wise reflects that. So I look forward to sharing that sometime later this year, top of next year. But L.A. definitely helped me see that more clear and just expand what I was doing. Wow. It allowed me to just be more brave and say, yeah, you're right. I can rap on anything. Throw it my way. I'm with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Man, you just laid down some some L.A. history right there. Um, I actually live in uh, Northern California now, but you, you t- you're okay. taking me home, brother. You're taking me home because people like Carlos Nino, as you said, Raj G, Flying Lotus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt C. Yeah, man. See, uh, each time I've heard you mention Mad Lib's name, you know, at least a few times. And I'm just thinking about the times where I read articles that Peanut Butter Wolf was uh, speaking about. And he was saying, yo, he would uh, when he met Mad Lib, he would go and make his own beats. And he thought he was going to impress Mad Lib and say, hey, I made these uh, three or four beats. It's like, man, what you think? I know I'm going to get him with this. And then Mad Lib would say, well, here's 100 beats. Exactly. <laughs> You know, in the exactly. same time, within the same time window or even less. 
and even less man. you know sometimes the and with a lot less equipment too absolutely absolutely <laughs> a lot less maybe the ideas yeah. weren't always all flushed out but a lot of them were quite developed and it's like wow this cat is phenomenal and i remember sitting in the studios with him when remember the days when madlib wasn't talking he's talking in public now he, yes exactly that reminds yes. me of Prince that way because back in the day when he would come up to radio station KCRW when I was there with uh, Garth Trinidad, he would come in the studio and he wouldn't want to talk. He wouldn't want to get on the mic and he would just wow. do mix and just, you know, Garth would ask him, say, hey, you want to talk tonight? He was like, no. And back then he wouldn't even say no. He would just shake his head. No. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I do a very good Mad Lib impression with the no talk give you a fist bump and shake his head. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I loved it. I loved it because exactly what you said, it gave that true artist creative yeah. vibe. Like, yo, yeah, this is me. It, but dude, just going, but he, he was so, he was a cool, I mean, he is mad lip. He's a cool guy because I would see him at Amoeba records. I know, you know, at the, the record crate scene. Or oh yeah. Oh yeah. Amoeba, you know, Ross yes. was at Aaron's record. So I know you're familiar with that, but yep. Uh, I would run into Madlib at uh, um, Amoeba Records, and he'd be like, "Yo, what's up, Ron?" Or I would see him out at a club, and you know, he would just—he would see me at the bar. He'd come up to the bar. He's like, "Yo, you want a drink?" He's like, "I got you." And just yeah. a cool brother, man. Just a real cool brother. But I'm just noticing, you know, now that, uh, and maybe, maybe not so much just now, because Freddie Gibbs, you know, was nominated for a Grammy and whatnot. But Madlib yes. is very vocal lately. You know, very much like Prince was then toward the down the stretch of his life where, you know, he was a recluse, a creative recluse for so long and, you know, sort of a, a, a musical anomaly to such a degree. Absolutely. Was, Absolutely. It was all about that vibe and that music, but he's, he's out sharing now. But anyway, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. I'm getting into the conversation. Y'all, I don't have all day with this brother, but we're talking to the good brother, John Robinson. He's just dropping some jewels on us. Uh, his latest project is called King J.R. Brother, before we run out of time, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to talk about this latest amazing project of yours. Just released. Uh, you can get it on Bandcamp. It's got 13 tracks strong. So yes. uh, what can you tell us about the creation and inception and concept of this latest project of yours called King J.R., Mr. John Robinson? Absolutely. Yeah, King J.R., such a pleasure to create because it was so free you know um i didn't i didn't overthink anything and i literally followed blue's lead shout out to blue um brilliant brilliant storyteller mc rhyme author that's what i call the real writers the rhyme authors ah. if you're hearing this don't steal that it's copyright <laughs> nice. nah shout out to blue and you know i met blue in 03 Long story short, I was shooting a video um, with Stacey Epps for a song called They Don't Know on our Soul Uprising, Soul Power album. And at the time, I was also helping run a label, Shaman Work Recordings, mm. that we uh, we released Eminon's debut album, The Waiting Room. So living there, when I first got there, was living literally across the street from Aloe Black. So when we shoot in the video, uh, I think Aloe was out of town, but Exile and Blue came through, or mm. Blue and Exile, I should say, right? But this is before, you know, there's a group. Blue didn't right. even have any recordings at the time, but just real cool. And, you know, X told me he rhymed, and he rhymed for me that day. And I can't front, I was blown away. So mm. I knew that, yeah, this guy's coming. But long story short, fast forward, 
a year and a half later, uh, yeah, Blue might have had maybe a couple songs at this point. And we just did a tour, Eminon, myself, and Blue, and this other brother, Wally Oyejide, who calls himself, called himself also uh, Science Fiction, who's now a renowned uh, owner of a brand, Akira Jones. So mm. check that out. But long story short, we did this tour, you know, good vibes up the West Coast from San Diego, pretty much to Seattle and back. And after that, I went to the UK. I was with uh, Carlos Nino, Dwight Tribble, Durf Recklaw, and a lot of the OGs in LA. It was, that's a whole nother, we would take three hours to talk about that. But salute to, you're speaking of the jazz, right? And the vibes, yeah. oh man, I was blessed to be with the OGs. Phil Ranelin, salute, you wow. know. Um, but yeah, so we take this trip, I'm on the radio, in uh, the UK, and they asked me, they're like, oh, so you've been in LA for a little bit of time now, you know, who's next? Who Have you been seeing anyone out there? You've been, and I, right away, I said, yo, it's this kid named Blue, and he's definitely next, you know? I don't know how soon next, but he's coming, because I heard what he has to say, and yeah, he has some things to say, but the way he's styling these words, yeah, it's undeniable, and it's going to break through, and people are going to embrace it. And, you know, sure enough, coming back, you know, we connected, but never really connected on music. It was always like good vibes and hanging and chilling or shows. And shortly after I left the West Coast back home uh, to New York, and I felt like I started to see, you know, the Blue and Exile thing start to bubble. And it made sense to me. It really made sense to me just because Blue was always such a natural and then he was really passionate and into it. But several years later, he came to me with this idea of King JR. And he sent me about four beats. And I love the texture and the fabric of the beat so much, you know. And I was shocked, like, wow, this is what you're doing now? He's like, yeah, man, I got more. He's like, actually, I got an idea. So, you know, we get on the phone, and he's breaking it down. And he's like, yeah. And, you know, at the end, he's like, it's, it should be called King JR. And then I just paused for a second, like, ah, but why King JR? So I fought him, you know, and then we hung up the phone. And then as I'm working on it, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, King JR, but nah, that's not the title. We'll figure that out later. And I'm working on it. And in my mind, I'm starting to realize, like, damn, because he said that, it's developing into this mindset, this regal mindset of wanting to storytell, but speak to people in this way that I normally didn't and flex just writing in a different way. So by the time we caught up again and I'm like, yo, man, why? Tell me why King JR, because I don't know if that should be the title. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, that's easy. He said, since I've known you, you kind of give me like this Dr. King demeanor. And he said, mm -hmm. what I mean by that is you have this duality. You're calm, cool, collected, but you also have a fire mm -hmm. that comes with that that you tame very well and it, it's very commanding. And I'm like, damn, you know, so that was a compliment. But then the biggest compliment was, he's like, and besides that, man, at this time right now, I literally came to you and gave you all my best beats like a king and said, here, let's go. And wow. when he said that, I said, you know what? King JR, it is, let's go. There you it know? Is. And it was really, um, you know, 
him driving the car with the soundscapes. So every time mm-hmm. he would send me something, it was a lot of me thinking about it in a way of, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change too much. It's like even if the title of the beat was something, I would ride with that and go with it and create in that way because. Normally, as a creative, I'm very intentional in a way of, yo, producer, send me 30 beats and I'll cherry pick my favorite 10 and Mm. let me just work on those. And then to, you know, tie it all up, we'll come back to the table and add some more Mm -hmm. to just bring it all together. And, you know, just particular in these ways, this time I opened up and said, no, I'm not doing all of that. I want to create differently and force myself to create in this different way. And I really felt good about the outcome, but also um, this felt good about collaborating with Blue in this way. And honestly, we started this project a handful of years ago. So it was a slow bake. It wasn't like, oh, let's hurry up and do it. It was a couple trips back and forth, but not really ever recording together. More meetings, sitting down, talking. Mm. Yo, what you think about this? Yo, yeah, I started writing and this is what I'm talking about. Yo, that's dope. But yo, I'm going to do these interludes and I'm thinking, you know, and it was just a lot of that. And then boom, back to the lab. So even on the record, I said, can't front. Didn't do it. Uh, We wasn't in the lab. We did this Dropbox, you know, and that's how we did it. But we were still connected in the sense of, you know, knowing each other for some time, but also having some time to sit and build through the process. So definitely, um, yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah, I mean, but you had to be in a place at your life creatively and just as a as a man to sort of humble yourself enough, you know, knowing how you historically traditionally work on your own project. You you trust your own ear and you've worked yes. with producers, but it sounds like this was one of the first times you really let go. You let go of control yes. and you just kind of let him, um, you know, sort of pilot the airplane and you just sort of lay back because I'm contrasting that, John, with you know, Ice Cube, Too Short, and E-40 just did an album, and they were like, yo, we're going to be brutally honest with each other. If it's whack, we're going to tell each other, and if something needs to be changed, we're going to say that. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw something where um, Short and 40 told Q's, like, yo, that, that, you know, that was dope, but you came too hard with that one. You came too hard with that one. And, you know, and remember, they made an agreement to be humble and listen to each other. And exactly. They, you came back and said, man, I ain't changing Jack. I mean, he didn't say the word Jack, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, said, no, I ain't exactly. changing nothing. <laughs> you're know, you, you OG like they are. And, you know, he, like Blue said to you, it's like, I'm presenting you my best beats, you know, to, to a king. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in many ways he humbled himself, but I'm just wondering if people can appreciate what it took for you to sort of take yes. a passenger seat to trust him enough trust yourself and your ego enough not to interfere with what was happening. You know, does that make sense? It does. And I'm glad you're saying this because I needed to preface that by saying it goes back to the young geniuses, right? Mm. So in LA, I told y'all, and there's a list. I'm, I'm actually inspired to like write out this list and really get into it. Mm. And, um, but in LA, there was so many young geniuses that I met, but, not only meet, they would say things that I felt like were kind of ridiculous. Like, that'll never work. Come on, you can't do that. Why, why would you ever try? And then he would d- not listen to me do it, and it more than work. Mm. And that happened so many times. 
I, I literally right now I say, no, I listen to young geniuses. If I resonate with a young person who's super creative and just has these outlandish ideas, mm-hmm. I'm the guy to sit down and listen to it. And really, I want to hear more. Mm-hmm. I want to hear the layers because I've connected with that energy so many times and seen it manifest in this special way that it made me say, yo, I got to keep that energy flowing. So when Blue presented it, that's what made me easily just throw my hands up and say, yo, let's go. Because it was me listening to mm. my inner in the journey and say, yo, just like, again, going back to the jazz cats, how mm. many times have the OG brought in one of these young hot shots who yeah. showed them something, you know, yeah. Lee Morgan coming into the jazz messengers for the first time. And they're like, whoa, mm. you know, this guy was shoot barely on the trumpet five years and he's playing with some of the baddest cats in the world all over the world you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so things like that but guess they saw the work they saw the essence that came with it and they just said yo no further questions so that's where that comes from and i think a lot more ogs in their space or young ogs in their own rights should take more heat to that because no there's young people again this is this is ancestral energy we're talking about. So age is literally a number. You know, there's people who are just more spiritually aware than you may be, or just more creatively connected to things that you might not see. Mm-hmm. So open up in that way and stop letting these things, you know, be boundaries for your creativity. And mm-hmm. I feel like a dope idea and a musical or creative genius is a dope idea and a musical creative genius period no matter who it comes from or what angle it comes from but uh your project's called king jr king jr JR. yes shout out to every deja vu records out in boston um they're they're on the help out and just really uh getting the music to the world etc of course shout out to blue shout out to elo kush and science who's a part of the record Yes. And I got to give big ups to my man Locksmith, who did the original painting for the artwork. Oh, and, um, yeah, man. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Well, what's the best way for people to keep in touch with you, Mr. John Robinson? Thank you so much for joining us on Psychotic Bump School. How can people follow you and follow your work, good brother? Yes. Um, well, the easiest way is my digital real estate, johnrobinsonmusic.com. You can always find me there. And then I'm at the same thing on Instagram. But uh, yeah, johnrobinsonmusic.com. You can find me. You can find Pathways to the Music, um, other initiatives. And um, yeah, that's literally the most streamlined way to connect. And um, yeah, man, I got to say salute to you. Salute to Psychotic Bum School. And um, yeah, thanks for this conversation, man. These conversations always teach me more about my journey because when you talk and, you know, basically speak you learn again and it just reminds me of just uh all of these different layers and dots that are connected and then you yeah. know it also just has the wheels turning on how to uh how to honor it more you know Absolutely. how to honor it more yes well i appreciate that and i reciprocate because you never know who's listening you never know who's watching you and being Agreed. inspired by you you know what i'm saying like that brother who just approached you man you just never know so absolutely absolutely your grind you know being aligned directly with your purpose and staying on point you know staying on staying on mission you know and you've done that john robson you've done that 
And that's why you've been such an inspiration to us out here on the West Coast. I'd love to have you back, man, because uh, believe it or not, I did not forget about your work with uh, Jay Rawls. And I definitely want to have you back so we can talk more about that. There, I have a lot of space on this program for that. So Absolutely. if you'd like to come back, uh, I would love to have you back again uh, in the future so we could talk more about that. Would that be cool? Oh, that's without a doubt. And I can't come back alone, man. Rawls will be with me because yeah, he's definitely, like you said, he's no stranger to the Soul Children Brothers and yourself. Yes, and he's definitely all about that EDU life Absolutely. too. So, you know, Absolutely. yeah. Very inspirational. So uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is uh, the good brother, John Robinson. Latest project's called King JR, available on Bandcamp. Uh, John, you're a real one, man. Thank you for joining us, okay? Yo, good looking. Thank you. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and I want to thank you for joining us this evening. We're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our very special guest for the evening, Dr. Don Trinil Claiborne, Dr. Allison McDade, and of course, the good brother, Mr. John Robinson. Also want to send a very special shout out to Mr. Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care. <laughs>